Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Horse Sport Ireland podcast. I'm John Kyle and each fortnight we'll be bringing you interviews with equestrian experts and of course our Irish athletes. The Horse Sport Ireland podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts so you can subscribe and never miss an episode. And if you haven't already, check out our previous shows, interviews with CEO Ronan Murphy and Horseport Ireland's veterinary advisor, Hugh Suffren. Since our last episode, Horseport Ireland have been able to announce on the 8th of June the transition into Phase 2 with increased allowances for travel and group sizes of up to 15. On the same day, equestrianism in Northern Ireland entered Step 1 of the Framework for Resumption of Sport and Physical Recreation. Details have also been announced for the resumption of horse and pony sales under strict protocols. Sport Ireland have launched a valuable COVID-19 awareness course to support administrators, volunteers, coaches and participants to return to sport during Phase 2 in a safe and practical manner. HSI is grateful to those who took the time to complete the COVID-19 impact survey. It'll provide useful data on the effects on every aspect of our industry and will influence and support how Horseport Ireland proceeds going forward. And finally, in line with the planned lifting of all travel restrictions at the end of June, Horseport Ireland and Show Jumping Ireland are delighted to announce that the 2020 Horseport Ireland Premier Series and Irish Sport Horse Studbook Series will resume across Ireland starting the week beginning June 29th. Further information on all those stories can be found on the website at horseportireland.ie and through HSI social media. In this episode, we're going to catch up with four of our overseas-based high-performance riders and discover how lockdown has been for them, their families and their horses and find out when we might see them out competing again. We go to America for our first guest, European team gold medalist, Shane Sweetnam. So Shane, you're the first athlete I've spoken to who's actually already out of lockdown. You're out showing, but tell us a little bit how lockdown, and it wasn't quite that prescribed, went for you in Florida. I suppose we we were very lucky in Florida that, you know, we have a nice facility there um, and plenty of space. Um, like we have two sand rings and a grass field. So, you know, we used to have time slots for the clients when they came, that they weren't all going at the same time. But everyone kept, were quite respectful of the rules and kept their distances. They used to have their riding stuff, you know, in their car and they just basically get on, they wouldn't go into the barns, they just get on their horse and the mountain block and then work their horse and get off and, and leave. But we had such good facilities there, we got a lot of training done with them. We were building different courses every week so that they could train over some decent sized courses. Uh, and I was building. Dublin Nations Cup one week and Aachen Grand Prix another week. So uh, we got we got a, definitely a lot of the mileage covered uh, in training-wise uh, during the period. That's really interesting that you'd gone back to some of those real iconic courses. I know Guillaume Chorge, who's based there right in Florida, was making some courses available. And obviously I heard some Alan Wade courses in there too. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I'm friends with both of them actually on Facebook, so... It's definitely a few Allens were used and a few of Gies were used because we build in the sand ring, which is a little bit smaller ring. So we'd be building like an indoor World Cup course. And then out in the field or on the grass, we were building, you know, more like Dublin or back. And we had a lot of fun with that, actually. 
I feel like I could, we could go and build a course myself now, but uh, I'll stick to the riding for now. For now? For now, yeah. So, Shane, the horses. Show jumping felt to me like a sport where we could be back to the top level quite quickly after a pause, but how quickly did you adjust what you were doing with them? Did you keep them at a keen edge for quite a while or quite quickly drop off and go back to basics? Actually, we sort of took the, the pedal off the gas with them. Obviously, we were just getting uh, rock and rolling during Florida. Like the Stan Shack, he went to Kentucky and he was breeding for the, la- the last three months. He was still being worked by uh, David O'Brien, who's based out of Spycoast. And he's, he did a great job because he's back showing here and he was placed today in a uh, good class. So he was doing breeding and then uh, our mares, we were taking embryos off them. We kept them working, but just normal work. And uh, we got a few embryos off of uh, Carlene and off of Indra. Um, so hopefully that will bode well in the future. And then Alejandro, I just sort of didn't do much jumping at all. A lot of flat work and work a lot of basic stuff. And I think it was good for good for that side of it. And then it was also good for their brains. Well, the other brains we've been thinking about during lockdown are the kids' brains. And for a family man like yourself, there must have been an element for a time of homeschooling. My wife was was the teacher. I think uh, I don't think I'd have the patience for it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so she every day they used to come out, the kids would come and ride in the morning, and then they'd go. And my wife, Ali, would do a good few hours going through the online schooling but they seem to get through it okay no one got killed and and they're finished their term now so hopefully they'll be back to school uh, next semester i'm not sure if she'll want to do it again and with potentially a bit of extra time on your hands were there any lockdown projects undertaken any new skills no not really like we used the time to have the yard looking as good as possible same with the house we got all our jumps painted or we did some new jumps like i say because we were building so many different courses uh, we were getting quite creative then, like, I did do a lot of work with my younger horses to try to get them to catch up a little bit. But, yeah, I have to say my my wife really put in a lot of time into her cooking because before we normally go for dinner most evenings, quite convenient in Florida. But now she's a, a really a top chef, so uh, I'm very pleased anyway. I'm not, I'm not sure is she, but I'm very pleased. <laughs> so the purpose of these catch-ups was to sort of see what might be happening next for some of our athletes. But as we mentioned at the top, you're already out competing. Yeah, so we're quite lucky. We're on our second week here in Tryon. And obviously they have rules in place and the protocol, but the, everyone seems to be following it. And there have been some good classes already. And it's great to be back in the ring and the horses are happy. And everyone seems to be happy to be back out there doing it. Okay, it's a different way. Than, than the way we left it, but it's nice to be back. And so what's the plan for the next couple of weeks? This is our second week in Tryon, and then we go on to Kentucky next week. So actually, we do Split Rock next week, and then some of the horses are off, because obviously Spike Coast has a, a farm there. So that's our base for the summer, and we have another, well, I think a week off after that, and then we go to Michigan for a couple of weeks, and then back to Kentucky, and then we'll see from there. Nations Cup or team jumping are such a key part of the high-performance jumping sport. What's going on in the high-performance structure at the moment between riders like you and Michael Blake with the series on hiatus? Uh, obviously, uh, there's been a lot of conversations with Michael, but it's very, sure it's very hard for him to make a plan and it's very hard for, for me to make a plan Nations Cup-wise because we don't know when when we'll have one. You know, the, obviously, the Olympics is in, in everyone's mind for, for hopefully next year so 
we've had discussions of trying to have the horses in the right place and use this time well. Yeah, I suppose your guess is as good as mine when when we'll really be, be at it, you know. So at the moment, we'll just keep building um, and we'll see what happens. And what does the 12-month delay to that Olympic Games in Tokyo mean for your string of horses? Time time can be a great thing, you know, if, if for, for sure it can really... It can help Alejandro and Carleen um, have a bit more mileage and a bit more experience by that time. So I, I do think it's a it's a benefit to them. But then you know it makes Shaki a year older, you know, at fifteen. So I don't think he'd be part of the equation anymore. So on that side of it, it's a negative. But you know, there's a long way to go till then. I have I don't know. Do I have another horse? I think would be part of that picture yet but the thing with horses you never know and things change Shane thanks for taking the time to speak to us and the very best of luck there and try and albeit not quite as we're so used to it we're happy to be back out there and hopefully this time next year we'll be back to the norm and we'll be in the Hamptons or Dublin or back in York so fingers crossed and at the end of their week in trials, Shane Sweetnam took a podium in the Grand Prix and David O'Brien, who we heard about as well, took the win in the Sunday Classic. My next guest is a UK-based paradressage rider who represented Ireland for the first time at championship level at Rotterdam in 2019, Michael Murphy. Michael, great to catch up with you and chat about how lockdown has affected you. And as I understand it, more than most, because you ended up moving house because of it. Yeah, I did. So I was at my university house. Uh, finishing off my degree and then the whole university shut down uh, and everyone had to move out so I moved I moved back to London and then and then all the horses my horses are down in Bath and they're kept with my trainer Elder Kutch so, so I wasn't being able to travel down there it's about a two hour drive to get there and I wasn't able to travel to train for about two and a half months because of all the restrictions so it was quite limiting for me because most people live with their horses and are able to, were still able to ride but I wasn't able to ride, which was which was quite annoying, yeah. As you say, you were in the midst of studying and preparing for your finals. What happens with them? Well, all of the exams were turned into online assessments, so we just did it all online. And I've just finished it, actually, last week. I, I finished my final essay, so it's all done now. But, yeah, so it was it was very different. I was preparing for exams and getting ready, and then it was switched. But the university did a good job of making sure that it all worked out well and we could all finish our degree. So that was that all ended up being fine. I speaking to most of the riders about what they've been doing with their horses during lockdown. As you mentioned, you weren't actually able to go and ride for two and a half months. Your horses are in Bath and your university's in Warwick, so that's not very close either. No, it's not at all. So it's about a two-hour drive. The horses are kept with my trainer because she does the day-to-day schooling of them and all the things that I can't really do because I just do a walk test. So it's really important to have an able-bodied, high-level dressage rider doing all of the work in between to keep them at the right level. So they stay with her, and then I, I drive down uh, and stay overnight and then ride and ride two or three days a week when I have time around university. So now in the last couple of weeks that you have been able to go down there on a day trip and get some riding in, what have you been trying to achieve? What have you been looking to achieve? Because it doesn't feel like there's the same roadmap for para dressage to get top level sport going again yeah exactly it's just it's just getting the feel back again um and getting back into it i mean the first few times i went it was just the joy of riding again because it had been so long 
and it was just great to be back in the saddle and and getting back on with it. And now it's just kind of getting back to where where I was before, really. I'm picking straight up from where we left off because the horses have been with my trainer. So they're still at the same level they were when I left, if not better, because she's been working with them. So I just it's straight back to business and, and training hard to be ready for when competitions start again. A lot of people have been taking up lockdown projects, but I imagine with university finals and trying to keep yourself fit as an athlete without the ability to go riding, there hasn't been time for an awful lot else. Yeah, and there, well, that's mainly why I've been doing so. It's been university and then uh, just exercising and trying to stay fit because without the riding, it's, I, I need to do something. Otherwise, otherwise, I'll lose quite a lot of muscle. So luckily, I've got uh, a little home gym in a den at the bottom of my garden. Uh, so I go down there every day and have an exercise routine to go through just to keep everything fit. So that's been my life, really. Uh, Zoom calls, university work and working out. There's no doubt that the health service have done an amazing job at these times, and in particular in keeping capacity open for other care. Tell me about your condition, Michael. Is it one that requires you to be in the health service system quite a lot? Uh, I'm not actually, I, I not very often. When I was younger, I was quite a lot, but now and uh, there's not there's not any treatment with my disability or anything they can really do. So uh, I've had a couple operations, but apart from that, I, I don't have that regular visit. I can imagine for anyone who's going through chemo or anything like that, it, it must be terrible because not not only is going into hospital difficult, but then you're also vulnerable yourself. It's just, I can imagine it's really bad. We've already touched on it a little bit, Michael, but what is the rest of your year starting to look like? There's not too much news at the moment. It's looking like it's slowly going to start opening up again. I would I would expect the first uh, international show to run will be Kiso in October. But obviously everything is so subject to change because we don't, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But that's what, what I'm aiming towards, really. And I'm just, I'm just making sure that I'm ready to compete at a week's notice if I have to be. And then wherever, wherever the FBI decides, we'll, uh, we'll go with. We speak a lot about the qualification of three teams for the Olympics. But of course, we also have those individual athlete places for the Paralympic Games, which themselves have also been deferred by those 12 months. Does that have any implications for your horses? Well, obviously, I think I think I can speak to every, everyone when I say we would have loved to go on this summer. I mean, a lot of, there was a lot of work put into qualifying, um, which was fantastic. And now, and everyone was really excited to to get going uh, to Japan. But, but you know, this is the circumstances we're in, and, and that's what we have to to deal with. So, I think the best way to look at it um, is just with silver linings and just use it as an opportunity to get better and use the extra year as an opportunity to improve. And suppose, luckily, still, uh, still young enough where it won't be a problem age-wise. Um, so he's OK. Uh, and I think that's the same for all of the other power riders. So everyone, uh, I think, is, is just really using it as an opportunity to improve, which is, which is positive. Just from a couple of comments you've made and, of course, the brilliant social media post that you guys as a squad put out a, a short while ago, it's clear that you're all keeping in touch during this time. Yeah, we have indeed. We've had a couple of calls where we've just all caught up, seen, seen how we're all doing and made, made sure everyone's getting on well and then just spoken about the future and, and how 
you know one mindset we should have, which is really good. It's it's a really good team spirit and really important. So yeah, I think we're we're all very positive about what we can do together in the future. And Michael, your condition is a progressive one. Is there any concern around that with the delay of twelve months to the Paralympic Games? But no, I'm I'm in a very stable condition at the moment. The the worst progressive periods are through your teenage years, um, and then it tends to stabilise uh, for a while. So I'm I'm okay from that point of view. As long as I keep exercising and and working hard, then uh, then I should be okay. I mean, you never know, but I feel fine at the moment and. I'm not too worried about that. And Michael, like a lot of our athletes, fundraising for you to try and achieve that Paralympic dream has been critical. What does 12 months more mean in that circumstance? Because the, the whole budgeting for, for the plan towards Tokyo really expected that we would be going this summer. So now we have to find an extra year of funding, an extra year of competitions that, that wasn't in the budget, really. So that, that's the curveball that's been thrown. So yeah, a lot of work has been put into so applying to grants, so speaking to sponsors, trying to, to raise those extra funds so that, that we can make it until next year. Um, so that's been a, a big thing. But we do have the time to, to do it now, which is a bonus. So it's swings and roundabouts, really. So you've just finished all your finals for a biology degree at Warwick University. Is there any sense yet of what that grade might be? I was that it's very hard to say at the moment. I've got my fingers crossed for a first, but we'll we'll see. It could it, I don't know, it all depends on how my finals went. Um so I'll find out in a month or so. Uh but yeah, so I'm I'm hoping it's been it's been an incredible four years of, of studying. Um I really, really enjoyed it. Um I, but I'm also now looking forward to kind of cracking on with, with the horses more full time. Michael, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. We stay with dressage for our next guest, who makes her home in Germany. It is, of course, Olympian and multiple Irish dressage record holder, Judy Reynolds. Judy, thanks for joining us. Obviously based in Germany, tell us a little bit about what coronavirus COVID-19 has been like there. Well, yeah, for us it never really changed. Our day-to-day stayed the same. We, we had Sandy, in, in relatively speaking, but you know, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of those who've been involved with horses or are in the countryside have, have felt that it hasn't massively impacted upon them. Tell us about when the heaviest restrictions were in place. What was daily life like and who was on the yard? Yeah, myself and Patrick and Brianna, like it didn't change for us. Because because we had the horses, we were still allowed to go to the stables every day. So we had no restriction on that front. We obviously had to be careful about our contact with people and things like that. But we were every day in the stables. So our day-to-day didn't have a, a huge impact, which we were very grateful for and of course all of a sudden we all found ourselves with an awful lot more time on our hands before we were ever going to be going to the next show that has to have made big changes to your training plans yeah definitely the higher level horses definitely kind of just eased off and kept them you know as you say just uh, you know big back to basics and you know keep them happy and ticking over without putting too many miles on the clock but then the younger horses, they could definitely benefit from the time to, to crack on and, and learn new things and, and step up, you know, because we had the time to focus on that without having the distraction as such of going to shows. And did either you or Patrick take on any lockdown projects? Have you tried to pick up any new skills? Um, clean 
the truck, <laughs> things like that. A uh, couple of horses that needed to learn how to load properly. You know, some of the younger ones that, uh, you know, was maybe a bit uh, tricky. So they've you know, been doing loading practice and, and things like that. And, you know, just spending a bit more time with the horses on the ground, I think, in general. So, you know, focusing on, on the ground handling as well. You know, which, again, is one of those things that maybe you don't always have time for or, you know, there's, there's many distractions. So spending more time with, in general, and everything in the stable has been disinfected and, and everything else. Obviously, at this time, we've all joined the era of video calling and online presence with working from home. But in dressage, you've been using online coaching for a long time. Have you made use of it during this time working with uh, Johan Hinnemann on the high performance side and with your own clients? Yes, all of the above. Initially, I was sort of sending Johan videos and he was coming back with, you know, his, his comments and giving me things to work on and I'd go away and work on it and, you know, send him updates. And then more recently, we've actually been doing um, online training, which is actually incredibly useful and more effective actually than you might think, if, you know, from the outset. You know, you think, oh, how does it work? Somebody, you know, sitting sitting at their kitchen table thousands of miles away but um it actually it actually does does have quite an effect and um if you have a good internet connection then you know you really can see quite a bit and i've also been doing some training with my students in ireland um which is great because if i can't get there for you know many months it helps them stay focused and and work on the things we need to work on and improve the horses a little bit as well and then Hopefully, when I when I can get back to them, we're already ahead. Absolutely, and that's really interesting how useful you found that. I've obviously been watching and seen that Germany has been able to lay on some national show jumping and dressage shows. Have you been able to partake in any of those? Well, we actually went to show last weekend. We are very rapidly coming on today for next weekend in ten days' time. So it was a bit of a last minute. My best had been at the stables and he said, oh, there's a show uh, this weekend in, in Hyden. And I, I quickly went online and had a look and, and there it was. And uh, I decided to bring bring two horses there, which was nice to get out again and use the opportunity of getting to a nice local show. So I took, uh, I took one horse who went to his first show ever. So that was, uh, you know, always interesting, but he, he behaved and we survived. And uh, I took a, Another horse I had to do the the S, which is like a Breathing George, and actually there was huge, not not huge numbers, and but in Germany the classes are nearly always restricted to the amount of entries, and normally then normally say if you have fifty entries, only twenty six, twenty eight will actually turn up, but from fifty entries in each class, forty eight, forty nine were actually turning up, so everyone was, everyone was very excited to be able to get back out again. Interesting about the level of support those shows are getting in these early days. And I assume the social distancing and other protocols that we're looking at worldwide are very much in place. Yeah, like, you know, in dressage, we kind of social distance anyway, don't we? <laughs> A lot of the time, we don't congregate around the, the warm-up fence or things like that. So, you know, for us, yes, we had the masks and yes, you were careful that you didn't you know, stand to close to people and okay there was no restaurant open but um you know but in terms of of you know warming up and then going to the ring, being careful but pretty much also as normal as 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 can be at the moment. 
Uh, Judy, I've been speaking to each of my guests about that 12-month delay to the Tokyo Olympic Games. But I have to ask, what's that going to mean for our anchor horse for team dressage and, of course, taking you on into another Olympic freestyle in Vancouver K? Well, we're just going to have to see, aren't we? Um, you know, he's he's taking the time to hang out and take it easy. You know, we're certainly certainly saving the legs. You know, not uh, not doing any more than is necessary. And you know, he certainly is fit and healthy, and showing that he's very excited about everything. And um, you know, it, it just has to it doesn't have to be his decision. So we just wait and see. And you know, at the moment, I don't see why he can't do it. But I'm also, you know, just wait, wait and see. That's my that's my attitude at the moment. You know, I'm I'm full. I I think he he will certainly be keen to go, and uh, a little bit of time, and we'll know more. He is going to be an older gentleman at that point. But you know, as you say, you know yourself, he's he's very young. He's you know he's great enthusiasm for everything. So. You know, hopefully, hopefully we will be part of it. Judy, thanks so much for your time. And finally, it's back to the UK to speak with eventing Olympian and world individual and team silver medalist, Porig McCarthy. Porig, lockdown in the UK. Tell me whereabouts you've been for the duration and who was with you. How did it all go? So we are um, actually very lucky. Obviously, we live in Devon on, on a big farm with my wife and, and her family. And we have had four people here with us all the time. So we've uh, my head girl Julie Clement is from France, and I've Freya Colin from the Isle of Man, and her boy Rory Lavin. So we've been managing, we've been managing away, and then we had just before lockdown, we had a, lucky enough that an Irish young rider, well he's not young rider any longer, but Daniel Brown, he joined us at the end a week before lockdown. So we've been managing away with the horses here, and yeah, for us we haven't really noticed that much of a difference because I don't leave the house except to go to competition so that's been the obvious thing so for me it's been a little bit like winter time with beautiful weather and obviously with the suspension of competition pretty much as the home season in the UK was about to get going in eventing how did that affect the programme for your horses? I kind of we kind of got a sense early on or relatively early that it was going to take quite a while that was the, the view we took and because we were on a little bit less staff than we normally are, we have quite a few people that come in and do days here and there, but they obviously stopped when, when lockdown happened. So we decided quite early that we'd, we'd kind of make use of the period just to keep them on a maintenance kind of level. So what I've been doing is every horse I focus on for a week, six days, where I'd ride them myself every day, low-level stuff, just kind of fine-tuning the things and working on transitions and taken all very patient and then then they'd have an easy week so they'd have a hacking and a little bit of lunging some more days in the field and to be honest I found it a real revelation that sometimes we try too hard you know and it's, for me it's been uh, great to get back to basics and, and just sometimes you're happy with the horse and walk you do a little bit of trot and you put him away and he comes out the next day much better and I think if you have the pressure of an event at the weekend then you, you're inclined, I think, as it's human nature, the competitive part of us wants to do a little bit more and perfect that half pass. And, and in fact, I think it's been it's been great for me anyway. Um, I really learned to enjoy riding again and just really realizing that taking the pressure off the horses, they've they've actually thrived on it. So they've, I think they've made a, a real step forward. Most of the horses, you know. And Porig, you have a foot in both camps as both a high performance medalist in eventing and a noted breeder and producer of young horses. How has that side of the business been going on during lockdown, the breeding and those young horses? 
Yes, we've had a couple of horses that needed a bit more time and they'd been left a little bit on the long finger because I knew that they were the type of characters that needed consistent bit of work, consistent contact with them and you don't always have that when the season starts. It's been brilliant with those ones as well and, and then with the breeding, as you say, um, we've, we took the view that, you know, and maybe that's wrong, but the trade will be affected. Uh, so all of the, the three and four-year-old mares we've, we've tried to put in foal and uh, we're still in that process. One of the mares have changed their mind on because trade actually, we've had quite a few inquiries over the last few weeks for horses, but we are putting more in foal this year than, than we have been. And I think talking to the people, the agents for semen and, and the studs, that it's, I think it's a view everybody's taken, particularly with, I think, good competition horses. And we're doing that as well with my the horse that qualified for the Olympics, Falula, uh, with taking some embryos off her. And I think a lot of people are doing the same with their sport horses there, using the downtime as an opportunity to to get some embryos. And the other aspect that a lot of people will have gone through during lockdown and you will have done as a family man is homeschooling. How did that work out for you guys? Yes, uh, our oldest, Tomas, he was um, doing a bit of homeschooling. Um, whether it's lucky for him or not, I didn't really get involved in that, that phase because we kind of spent the morning working on the horses. I'd ride until lunchtime and then I was doing, we've also obviously living on a farm, we've lots of things that you can always do. So, using the afternoons to catch up on, on different things. Um, so he was schooling uh, was in the morning, so that was uh, divided up between his um, his mother and, and his grandmother. So luckily he's actually started back at school for a couple of hours today himself from one other girl. The homeschooling I think was great for the beginning and I think everybody got a little bit bored of it as time went on and his patience first. Uh, and Granny started to nap a little <laughs> Um, so I think it was good for, for everybody that the routine maybe starts a little bit. He only went back for a few hours today, but I think it, it's good for him. And everybody needs a little bit of structure in their lives, including uh, five-year-olds, or probably most definitely five-year-olds. So. And what about yourself? Did the extra time during lockdown maybe give you the opportunity for a project or a great undertaking? My woodworking skills have gotten an awful lot better. Um, so I've been... I like doing, you know, little projects. For me, like with horses, it's, it's a never-ending saga. Like, you know, I had a horse uh, yesterday. I rang up the owner very excited and said, you know, he dropped his head and took the contact forward for four laps. And I've had him two years and it's taken that long to achieve that much. <laughs> so sometimes it, it's a bit heartbreaking. You never, you sometimes you take a step forward and two steps back or two steps forward and one step back. But like, so I like when I have a moment to do jobs where you can actually see the end result. I find that, you know, really rewarding. Like I built a, you know, some play areas for the kids, some picnic benches. I actually even put up a pergola last week outside on the patio, which I built last year. The patio. So like, normally when I take a project, it takes weeks and weeks to do because I have to do a couple of hours in the evening, you know. And um, but now I've been a bit more productive on that. All right, so it's been quite fun. And, and like on the farm, we've done a lot more fencing and we've made a lot of progress around that. We're putting up an indoor schools kind of between us here and uh, my brother-in-law has been putting that up. A lot, a lot of landscaping and yeah, it, it's been great actually. It's, loved, it's lovely to see progress and the weather's been so good that uh, it allows you to do a lot of jobs that sometimes take take longer than they should to do. So I think everybody's in the same boat. They've, they've benefited from the downtime. Yeah, with the loss of Babington and Burley in particular, there's been some real body blows to the eventing calendar this year, but there are green shoots of recovery. We're starting to see now a schedule to get the sport going again in the UK. Yeah, Fingers crossed. It's a very exciting prospect to think of it. Like we're all our young horses, and I think you know they're slightly different with the old horses now. I think we are taking the like with Mr. Chunky and Leonidas. We're looking at potentially 
pole, so we're we're still a way off off that yet. But they they both had their first little canter already. But the young horses they've been tipping away quietly, and they're all ready to to go out in a couple of weeks. You know, um, just hoping that that you know we will actually get off tomorrow because I think show jumping we're talking about getting going soon. Hopefully, it looks like we're going the right direction and we're getting closer to to doing some stuff. It'd be really great. It'd be great for everybody involved. You know, like here we have a lot of horses in, in training for for different people, and they've been very patient, and you know they they keep investing in the training. So it's nice if something can come out and, and they can get some fun days out of it as well. You know, Porig, the twelve month delay to the Tokyo Olympic Games that must really change things in terms of the strategy, which horses will be aimed where, which horses might even be on your radar for putting forward for high performance selection. I mean, obviously, it will give you 12 months more with that top horse, Leonidas. That's true. Um, like, uh, he obviously, he, he went very well in Baraka this year when he won the four-star long. And I I felt, you know, for the first time that he was my horse, you know, obviously taking over a horse from, from Art, but is a, is a daunting enough task. And I was learning on the job last year. Um, I had a very good spin and I was looking forward to taking him to badminton. You know, he's probably past the peak of his career maybe although he's just won his first long form at four star he's you know he's got a lot of miles on the clock so Tokyo going back a year probably isn't isn't a good thing for him I would say for 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 Lula the mayor that we bought last year I think it could be a real a real blessing for her actually because she she was quite green at the level we qualified in Buccalo last year but she's improving and improving and improving so I think for her like I think she would have been ready to go this year but I think because she's only 11, she's only going to be better for the extra time. And Mr. Chunky, he feels good, you know. Um, he's obviously, he was coming back from injury this year, but the plan was to take him to badminton. So, you know, he's there and Falula's there. And I have I have one or two two other horses. You know, I have a, I have a very nice nine-year-old horse now, which I think a lot of. And, and he, you know, he, if he keeps improving, and he might also be there for next year or so. But I think the obvious choices for next year are probably Mr. Chunky and Falula. Porig, thanks very much for your time. Great to catch up with you. I'd like to thank all my guests this time, Shane Sweetnam, Michael Murphy, Judy Reynolds and Porig McCarthy. It's been really interesting to hear in particular about what they've been doing with their horses without the pressure of competition. But there's no doubt we can't wait to start reporting on some international sport and Irish successes. So we wish them all the very best of luck as each country starts its return to sport. There is, as ever, a huge amount of advice and information on the HSI website at horsesportireland.ie. And remember, the sport and breeding departments, whilst working remotely, are open and able to help with any renewals or registrations required. And there continues to be news and updates on the current COVID-19 guidance and details of the financial support available. So thanks for joining me, John Kyle, and I look forward to talking to you again on the next Horse Sport Ireland podcast.